What's up? It's Kaylee Cuoco. When it comes to travel, we all have a happy place. I just went to my happy place. I just went to Maui, and it was truly amazing. Priceline has always been about getting you to your happy place for a happy price with deals you really can't find anywhere else, like up to 60% off select hotels in Costa Rica or five-star hotels for two-star prices in Cabo. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Hey everyone, welcome to The Final Four is Not on the Schedule. I'm your host Eric, alongside with expert analyst Rod. Thanks for joining us on the best MSU basketball podcast featuring an in-depth recruiting, game matchup, and post-game analysis. We dive deep to give you the best tools to enjoy the Spartans and impress your friends and family. Hey everybody, it's Eric alongside Rod here to discuss Michigan State's 61-55 loss to Rutgers at Madison Square Garden. Michigan State drops to 6-6 six and six in the Big Ten, and Rutgers goes to 8-4 and four in the Big Ten. Uh, before we begin, I just want to thank all those who support us. We really appreciate it. If you want to go and support the show with some gifts, you can go to finalfoursontheschedule.com slash support, and you can give a one-time gift via PayPal or Venmo, or monthly donation through Patreon. I also encourage you to go to Nudge Printing. Nudge Printing is owned and operated by two Michigan State alums, Gabe and Brittany. They started the company about 10 years ago, and they make high-quality screen prints for T-shirts, sweatshirts. They have vintage, really cool, gruff, sparty stuff, uh, all the other kind of things like tuck coming, all those sorts of things you need for your tailgating and for just wearing around the house and around town. Uh, I've got a couple of these myself. They are really excellent. The sweatshirt is super soft and uh, very wearable. It's great. And so I'd h- highly recommend you check it out. For listeners of the show, you can get 20% off checkout by typing in final four at the at checkout. And, you know, uh, let's talk about this game. It was a, it was a bullet that Michigan State dodged in the sense that they got to play Madison Square Garden versus going to Rutgers, the rack. Uh, I don't know where to begin. Michigan State shot 20, 58, 34% from the field. A really miserable 421 from three, 19%. One of those was kind of a garbage one at the very end by Pierre Brooks. So uh, truly terrible performance from a shooting standpoint from outside. And a lot of those really wide open looks, especially earlier in the game in the first half when when neither team was yep. really doing anything, yep. an opportunity to, to get some points on the board. Rutgers shot about as badly as they did the first uh, the first matchup in Breslin at East Lansing. They were 316 from three. They were 37% from the field. But they were pretty good from the line. Not great. They shot a little under 65%, but they got there a ton, partly because of the end of the game strategy where they were 22 or 34. Uh, Michigan State just trying to come back. Uh, and then you're rebounding. Michigan State rebounded Rutgers by 10. Had 10 more field goal attempts. But again, that's partially because Rutgers was getting fouled. Um, and turnovers were a little bit of a situation. Michigan State had 14, Rutgers 11. I just overall, there's just that portion in the middle of the second half where Rutgers caught up they were down eight they caught up and then passed Michigan State and and Michigan State just couldn't get back I mean I don't know I don't want to ever throw it on one person but it sure felt to me that you know Michigan State is driven largely by the point guard play and point guard play with Hogard was not very good I mean he had five turnovers he had yep. he 100%. had um, a couple assists now I you know in some respects he didn't get some assists because people were missing shots they would normally get but there was just a I don't know. It was it was a bad performance that he was 
putting passes were like, you know, Sissoko, who I didn't think played badly. I thought he played pretty well. Put him, you know, like bounce passes at his feet. You know, he's got to try and get down and catch it and then make some move. I I don't know. I mean, there was just a lot of... I think part of that is Rutgers sort of what they do. You know, they sort of make things difficult. Well, but no, no, <laughs> no, not on those. You're exactly right. There's an old Judd line that I think is is tailor-made for what you were just talking about in regard to AJ trying to force the ball to Mahdi on two or three occasions. K-Y-P. It's the acronym stands for know your personnel. Yeah. As a point guard, anybody really, you have to know what your teammates are capable of doing and what they're not capable of doing. And that first possession of the game was telling. Yep. Because that was a horrible decision to try to make that play to Mahdi. And you saw Mahdi after it, he pointed with his finger up. He was right. What AJ should have done was lob it, put it at the rim, let Mahdi go get it. Instead, he tries to zip one. That's never going to happen that the spacing was bad for it to begin with. And then you have to understand Mahdi does not have great hands. You have, you'd have to be a Chris Weber or, or a tractor trailer to pull that or, or Zach Randolph to pull that kind of pass in. Yeah. And Mahdi isn't that not even close. So that's, I, I, I start with that. There's some other things we'll talk about. Um, but I start with that. The, uh, we mentioned it lately. Um, you know, I felt like AJ maybe had made a little bit of a turn in his individual play, like getting opportunities for himself in the Purdue game. Well, that didn't happen much in this one. And he's still really struggling right now to do his primary job, which is to make his teammates better, to create opportunities for others. It was just a poor game. Yeah, very poor. And I'm going to there's no other way to say it. They need him to be much better than this. It is, it is as simple as that. And I, I do want, there were, there were situations in this game where there were obvious plays to be made that he did not make. I don't know if it's, he didn't see them, um, but he's normally a guy with pretty good court vision. Um, you know, there were, what I'm talking about is there were some pick and roll instances where MSU had a big wide open at the rim and AJ made the wrong decision. Yeah. It happened multiple times. Um, can't happen. Can't happen. If guys are just missing shots. Okay. And they missed a lot of shots today. We acknowledge that, but especially when that's happening more than ever, you need your point guard to be able to make the plays that result in easy baskets, easy opportunities. He didn't do that. So I, I start with him. For sure. And I think that, I think you had the right place to start. That's where it sits for me. Um, uh, of the three things that I thought hurt MSU, well, four things I thought hurt MSU the most. You touched on the second one, and we touch on it every game, and we'll return to it when we go over the keys. Three-point shooting. Yeah, They just missed a lot of open shots. Some days it's going to happen. It's very unfortunate um, that it happened today, but I thought MSU – actually did an okay job in generating decent looks. They just didn't hit them. I mean, Joey Hauser, 0 for 4. Aikens, 1 for 4. Hogard, 0 for 4. Hogard shouldn't be taking four of them. Yeah. That's where you start with that. Malik Hall, 0 for 2. I mean, the only guy who was really dialed in at all was Tyson Walker at 2 for 5. So they, we, we've said it many times. If Michigan State can't get some level of production from three, 
they're going to struggle to score enough points. And lo and behold, four for 21 from three, you score 55 points, not enough to win even against Rutgers, even against in a game that I thought MSU played okay for the most part defensively, not great. Yeah. In the second half, I think we're great in the first half. Um, the primary reason I didn't think they were great in the second half was late in the game. This is my third point. Um, they couldn't handle Paul Mulcahy. I had visions. It was a different style, but I had visions of that game at the rack yep. last year. Right. He just, he just took over. And they tried different guys on him and it didn't matter. And, and that, so that's a, that's a team thing. You know, you've got to be better like that last bucket he scored where he had Malik on him and Malik was trying to force him to his left and he just wouldn't surrender to it, waited for the pick and then was able to get right. Well, your team defense has to be better. You got to be able to get on him and surround him. And MSU couldn't do it. Um, credit to him because he made a number of great plays. I mean, he took over that game down the stretch when they needed it. Because it's not like they were getting great offensive production from anybody either. But he gave them that when they needed it most. And then I'll say the fourth thing that I thought was um, big. That stretch, the same stretch we're talking about with regard to Mulcahy, MSU I believe it was two consecutive one-on-one opportunities. Yeah, ends, yeah. One from Joey Hauser, one from Marty Sissoko that they miss. Um, in a tight game, man, and MSU shot decently. They were 11 for 14 as a team from three. So it's not like it was a disaster, but um, those two guys, th- those were big misses. I mean, there's just no other way to put it because MSU not only misses that shot, they don't get the opportunity for the second. So you lose the opportunity to have as, as to have as much as four points. That was huge in a game that was that tight, huge. And, and it came at the same time when Rutgers through Mulcahy primarily started finding itself offensively. That was the ball game. It really was. That's where it was won. And I'm not saying those two free throws lost Michigan state the game, but they sure didn't help because of the timing. It's certainly harder to maintain contact. And then now you're in a situation where you're pretty much down to three possessions and it's, it's going to be really you had tough to do what they were doing, yeah. which was fouling immediately to extend the game. It was a sound strategy. I mean, I hate seeing it. It makes for awful viewing no matter who's playing, but um, they had to do it. And it actually, you know, it, it semi worked in the sense that they got some misses. I mean, Rutgers is a good free throw shooting team. Look, Spencer and Mulcahy are both plus 90% guys. They were combined 13 for uh, 18 Yeah, in this game. McConnell is a high 70s guy. He was four for seven. So they missed. You know, the strategy worked well enough to at least allow Michigan State to theoretically get the job done. But the bottom line was, that strategy would have only played out in their favor if they could have generated a couple of turnovers. That's what they really needed. And they just couldn't do it out of the press, but you're between a rock and a hard place. Once you get under a minute, do you let them waste however many seconds it takes in the backcourt to try to force the turnover? Um, or do you grab them and follow them immediately and, and live with what happens on the line And MSU obviously was opting to follow immediately. And then when they were past that point, they just couldn't get a mistake. So 
Yeah, and you have to be able to score too, and they just hadn't been scoring. I mean, it's hard for I think a team for that is having trouble shooting to to really start shooting well at the very in the last minute of the game. You know, they hadn't been, but they actually were okay <laughs> in that last minute or so. I mean, Pierre hits a three; it was meaningless, but yeah, he hit Walker one. hit one too. Uh, yeah. Walker hit some shots. You know, they did they did manage to get something, but, um, yeah, it's, it's a lot of things have to go right for you in that stretch. And, and I mean, considering the kind of free throw shooting team Rutgers has, it's amazing that MSU got the opportunities they did down, down the stretch, because you don't, you can't count on guys like Mulcahy and Spencer missing free throws and they did, they missed enough, but um, yeah, I think those were the four biggest things to me. I mean, MSU did some positive things in this game, All right, They played reasonably good defense, although again, not, not nearly as good in the second half and the rebounding job, which you mentioned fantastic was actually great. Yeah. They were yeah. Great. I mean, complete turnaround from the game at Breslin. If you would have told me that MSU would have had a rebounding advantage in this game, I would have figured their odds of victory were very high. Didn't work out that way. Just which it, it mirrors the game at at Breslin in a sense, because if you would have told me in that game that they would have been pounded the way they were on the glass, I wouldn't have liked their odds. It's real interesting because you look at that. If you look at the box score and, and didn't, you know, I didn't tell you any of this. I said Michigan State shot 34 and a half percent. Rutgers 37 and a half. They both shot 19 percent from three. Michigan State 78 point six percent from the line. Rutgers 64.7. Michigan State out rebounds Rutgers by 10. Turnovers are about even 14 to 11. You would hear that line. You're like, well, you know, Michigan State wins, <laughs> except, except of yeah. course, you know, you have, you have the uh, free throw disadvantage disparity of 20 more free throws for Rutgers yeah. and partly again, because of the end of the game. But it's very interesting how that it's it, statistically, again, that first game, you would have said Rutgers should have won because of 18 offensive rebounds. Let, but let's also keep it in perspective. So the end of the game, I'd have to go back and see how many free throws Rucker shot in the final two minutes when MSU went to that. I'm going to guess it was around 10. Probably 10 or 12, yeah. Or so. I agree. Okay. So MSU was still, even if you take that away, operating at about a 10 free throw attempt disadvantage. Yes. Now, that's that's not unusual for a road game, although this wasn't a true road game. And here's my complaint, though. <laughs> it's the same one we usually go to inconsistency in how you're calling the game in the first half. We had that stretch where I don't think a foul was called for the first six minutes or so of the game. The, the yeah, right. broadcasting mm-hmm. team was commenting on it. Um, and then we get into a situation where both te- well, MSU was in the bonus with a little under 12 to play in the second half. Rutgers quickly joined them and both teams were in the double bonus with a lot of time left. Yeah. Um, I don't think the game got more physical in the second half. I think it was played the same way, largely over the 40 minutes. So why, you know, that's the question I would ask why, um, it's the part that has to drive coaches and players absolutely insane because, and you saw, and I'm not excusing it entirely, you know, Michigan state, if you, anytime, anytime a guy gets called for a foul, usually there's going to be some level of disbelief more often than not, (laughs) but Michigan state's guys were just incredulous at times. And I'm not going to say it's that there wasn't any contact on at least some of those calls, 
but it's the fact that they were letting it go both ways in the first half. And then you start calling it. That's the problem. Yeah. It's, it's a problem with consistency. And, and if you don't have consistency, then you have a very hard time figuring out how it is you've got to play. This is the main thing. It's, it's not, so much the blown calls or favoritism or that stuff that really bothers me. It's consistency. It's you call a play the same way all the time. And I don't think they did that. I really don't. And, and that's not, it doesn't mean Michigan state lost the game because of it. It's just another feature of what was a frustrating watch, you know, and I'm sure a very frustrating game to play. Yeah. And it makes it very difficult to watch games that are like this and you know 39 i don't know the splits for fouls there are 39 fouls called in this game and we had graham couch on the last episode where he's talking about if refs get like 40 foul calls they should immediately be reviewed you know, by yeah, the league 20, office 23 to 16 msu had the foul disadvantage yeah i uh i i agree i think it's almost like the refs and i this happens every i mean almost every game that the halves are called differently the, it's yep. either tight yeah, and then it's not tight I mean. or it's not tight. And then it's tight. It it's never consistently tight. It, it feels like it's never consistently not tight. Like I thought it was fine. The teams were just shooting like garbage. The first 12, 14 minutes of the game. Really? It was fine. Whatever. Yeah. If anybody wants to try to make the case that, Oh, the offenses struggled in the first half because the defenses were allowed to just go out there and mug. Yeah. I, I would encourage you to take another look. I know on Michigan State's part, they missed a lot of open shots. Rutgers missed some too. I mean, Cam Spencer, once again, he got some good looks in the first half, especially, and just didn't hit them. So it wasn't that. It's just teams weren't hitting shots. It was bad offense. Yeah, no question. Um, and, and yeah, to just to flip a switch and just call a game that differently, I, I that's the stuff to me it, it, that I think the sport needs to deal with. You can whine and cry about freedom of movement and hook and hold and all this other nonsense that they get on a high horse about, but man, I don't care so much what calls you make, just make them consistently. That's it. Because if you do that, then teams can find a level. They can find the appropriate way to play. So it won't be this ugly. Let's talk about uh, one bright point, I guess. I will just say, you know, Malik Hall looked pretty good. He, offensively, he was kind of a mess. Well, he Let, struggled so mightily offensive, on offense. Yeah, off, I should I want to caveat there. I thought he was pretty good defensively. He got beat by Mulcahy sort of end. But, you know, every, like you said, Mulcahy was kind of taking everyone to town at the end of the game. But 13 rebounds, six of them offensive, seven defensive rebounds, three assists, no turnovers. Or, uh, sorry, three turnovers. Three turnovers. And... Um, but I thought he was really good at active in the boards. That's kind of what we expected from him this season to be to be better uh, rebounder, and so that was encouraging. I mean, I know he's one of nine from the field. It was you know zero for two for three and just hit a pair of the line. So offensively, he was kind of a mess where he's just kind of just doing the backing down, fall away, and they just weren't. I mean, they just weren't falling today at all. So I don't know. I mean, but I was encouraged at least in part by his play. <laughs> Well, the rebound, look, anytime you go out and get six offensive rebounds, that's, you've had yourself a game. I just, if you would have given me that number ahead of time, I sure, I sure would have figured he would have been better than one for nine from the floor though, because I would have figured two or three of those would have been putbacks. Um, right. So yeah, that's yeah, yeah. unfortunate, but they did get some stuff. They got a Tyson Walker three, 
Yep. Off of one of those offensive rebounds. So they did, they did get some stuff as a result of it. Um, I mean, obviously you can't question his activity level and his toughness. Those are both embodied in that stat. It was just not a good day offensively, but he's hardly the only one. He, the, the thing, I guess you got to give him credit for. I mean, he remained assertive, which I want to see, you know, one for nine. It's unfortunate, but I, I would rather see him continue to keep knocking at the door, you know? Yeah. So one of those days. Yeah. You want to see him just like, you know, Joey and Tyson, you want to see those guys continue shooting and looking for their shots. I mean, you don't want them taking bad shots, but, uh, you know, I thought also, interestingly, Rutgers would kind of throw that zone at Michigan State. And this is maybe more a reflection of AJ, because I feel like he was in the game most of the times this happened, that there was just not a very good way of attacking that zone. Like they were either surprised or they were just Terrible. unable to sort of get any sort of Terrible. rhythm. And again, this is a team that shoots really well from outside. So you think you're going to get looks, so you get in the lane and then pass out and around one or two passes. You should have an open look and should be bearing those, but they just weren't able to get it to work at all. It's absolutely on him. It's failure. It's a failure of recognition. That is, that is on your point guard. That is a primary part of the job. And I, I just kept watching it. I just kept thinking to myself, get into it. Meaning get into their offense against man too. very slow to, and, and in the first half, MSU actually did a decent job of pushing the ball. Yeah. They actually got some transition buckets out of it, which is shocking against Rutgers. Mm -hmm. But um, especially in the second half, man, it slowed. And that's, again, that's your point guard. He's got to recognize what's going on and get MSU into their offense much quicker. And it wasn't just those occasions where Rutgers would throw their, you know, their half-ass pressure to just to try to, to eat some clock. It was when there was no pressure, too. It's just way too casual. And that's, that's something I would say is, is on AJ has been an issue at times, his entire career at Michigan state is there are times where he is just too casual. He is not locked in. And today was one of them, Yeah, but yeah, they look terrible against the zone and there's no excuse for it. They have a good passing team. They have guys who should fit neatly into that role in the middle of the zone. Half the time in those possessions, MSU never even got a guy into the gap. Right. I have no idea why that's not how they teach it. I know that much so that I'm, I'm going to put that down, not to a failure in coaching, but a failure in execution. That's going to be my default assumption. And that comes back to a failure to recognize it and get your guys where they need to be. That's your job. Very, very frustrating. I mean, look, you can you can tell. You want a number that, that tells you where Michigan State was at offensively. Nine assists on 20 made baskets. Yeah, right. That's not that's <laughs> that's not MSU basketball. Right. And that's that's two straight games now that we've seen that. So again, I come back to your floor leader. If he's not gonna do a better job, they got you know. I don't know where it goes. All right. Why don't we go through the keys of the game and we'll do that right up to this brief message. 
There's no I in team, but there is one in Indeed. And that's the hiring platform that you need to build yours. When you're hiring, you need Indeed. Instead of spending hours on multiple job sites searching for candidates with the right skills, Indeed's a powerful hiring platform that can help you do it all. One of the things I love about Indeed is that it makes hiring all in one place so easy because Indeed does the hard work for you. They show you the candidates whose resumes on Indeed fit your description immediately after you post so you can hire faster. Join more than 3 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. Start hiring now with a $75 sponsored job credit to upgrade your job post at Indeed.com slash sports. Offer good for a limited time. Claim your $75 credit now at Indeed.com slash sports. That's Indeed.com slash sports. And support the show by saying that you heard it on this podcast. Indeed.com slash sports. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. All right, the keys of the game brought to you by Nudge Printing. You can go to nudgeprinting.com to find out the selection and type in the final four into the coupon code for 20% off your order. All right, so first key of the game was Spencer. Cam Spencer, uh, it's been a problem. He's been hot the last couple games, and you know he was not very good in, in East Lansing, and I don't think he was really very good here. One for eight from the field, 0 for f- five from three, hit five to six from the line, but otherwise pretty much neutralized from the offensive end. So Michigan State, I think that was largely due to Michigan State guarding him. They didn't let him get open. I maybe had like one open look, but most of them are really contested in tough shots. He had, a, he had a couple in the first half where he got loose and he just missed. But other than that, I agree. They did a very good job of guarding him. And it was, a, again, it was a variety of guys. So that was one thing we talked. We spent a lot of time talking about how they didn't do the job in the second half against Mulcahy. But um, they absolutely did um, throughout the whole game, Camp Spencer. And look, Camp Spencer, if I were Rutgers, but no, look, they're in good shape. They've been playing very good basketball, but their schedule gets a lot tougher coming up here. They got road games at Indiana and Illinois yeah. coming up. Um, they, they, they're going to go through a stretch where I could see, you know, three in their next five as losses mm-hmm. pretty easily which is going to bring them back to the pack a little bit if that happens. But I'll tell you a guaranteed way it happens. If Cam Spencer doesn't get back on track, he's he's on a bad run. He had that last game against Minnesota prior to this one in the middle of this past week where he shot well. Um, but that's it. He's had starting with the MSU game in East Lansing. He's on a run in four or five games where he has not been able to hit anything. Yeah. And that is a big problem for Rutgers because, you know, as you saw today, this was not, you know, I mean, they're celebrating because they got the win, but they only shot 38% from the floor. Uh, That, that isn't going to get you. That's not going to get the job done often enough. You know, it did today, but it won't, especially when you're playing on the road, it likely won't get the job done. So they've, They've got to figure it. He's got to figure it out. Um, and that's another frustrating thing about losing this one yeah. is you come in with a guy who really has to be at or near the top of your scouting report and you shut him down. You absolutely lock him up and it didn't matter. Well, you have to score points in your end too. And to that point, that's not the second key to the game. The threes Michigan state was dreadful four for 21 
last game they were 12 of 22 at the Breslin Center. So that's a difference of, you know, eight threes or 24 points there. So no question. I mean, that was that was the game right there, really. If Michigan State shoots better, they win. Yeah. And, and you know, again, I, I don't think Rutgers actually played to their usual level in terms of, or rather Michigan State was able to generate good shots as part of it as well. Um, MSU missed a lot of good looks in those 17 misses, a lot. Yeah, I would say of the 21 looks, they're probably 16 of them are really good. Yep. Yeah. Yeah, I would agree. I mean, they're always, you know, there are a couple that might be, you know, there were certainly two or three down the stretch that were, you know, last minute or so yeah. that were forced. And, you know, but you take those away, it's still a lot of good looks. And they just didn't hit enough of them. And again, we've said it many times, if they are not hitting threes better than this, it's hard for them to generate enough points. I mean, just figure what they would have needed, you know, seven for 21, 33%. So less than what they normally shoot by a significant amount. If they had done that much, you know, they might win this game. Well, yeah, 12 points would be a big deal, obviously. So number three, the key to the game, defensive rebounding. Rutgers was uh, lights out in the first game of the Breslin Center with 18 offensive rebounds. This game, they only had eight. Michigan State had 13. Michigan State out-rebounded Rutgers 44-34. to 34. Uh, You know, somewhat maybe you could say it was due to Mog leaving the game with an injury early in, or late in the first half, I think it was. But still, Michigan State really owned the boards. Even before then, it's not like Rutgers was tearing them apart like they were at the Breslin Center. Yeah, no, it, it, this was a really good job. And look, I mean... uh. Omarui is the guy you worry about. I think he had five last time. Yep. And McConnell had four by themselves. Uh, this time, Cliff had three. McConnell had none. Yeah. Cliff was the only guy they had with double digit offensive rebound, or I'm sorry, with more than one, multiple offensive rebounds. Um, so that was really good work um, by Michigan State. Really good work. Um, and hats off, you know, again, if you told me coming in, they do that kind of job, I would have felt pretty good. Yeah. And you actually were feeling pretty good that, at halftime. At least I was, I thought, especially that, yeah. that finger roll at the end. And I'm like, they're, they're not shooting well, but they're bound to shoot a little bit better in the second half. And I don't, again, I don't know the splits in front of me. They didn't, <laughs> but at least not, mar- not, uh, certainly not as good as the first half, which is, which was terrible, which was a terrible shooting performance in the first half. Right. And so. But it felt like down the stretch of that first half, the last three, four minutes, I was feeling like they had found a little yeah. bit of rhythm and and coming out of the locker room, the first couple minutes in the second half. Yeah. It good. also felt that way to me. And then it just, yeah, it just disappeared. Yeah. I think Mulcahy got some sort of foul or something. Um, and maybe it was, I don't know if it was an N one bucket, but he sort of that was sort of the, the turnaround at Rutgers when they were down six. And I think to your point that he sort of took over that game and that was sort of the difference there. Well, I actually think it was the three he hit. Oh yeah. That's the three. Yeah. Yep. Yep. That was big. Right. Uh, so the fourth key to the game was turnovers. You know, there's a, there were 14 turnovers by Michigan state, not uh, terrible. 11 for Rutgers. Well, no, not I'm a lot of, tur- not a lot of points off turnovers though for Rutgers. It just lost possessions for Michigan state. That's, that's true. That's true. Rutgers didn't make them pay for it. It wasn't a lot of live ball stuff, but uh, 14 is too much in a, in a game that, you know, is going to be low scoring, slow paced. 
you have to value possessions better than that. You just have to. Um, and, you know, again, AJ Hogard, five turnovers, five. Yeah. Well, yeah, the from one from your point guard, the one Can't traveling, one traveling, and then he threw four basically kind of away inside in the paint. You know, I think they got credit just for most two, yeah, last steals, but I don't know. You know, bad, bad decisions or, or, um, a lazy execution, just too, too casual at times. That's, that's how, that's how I would describe what I was seeing from him. And, and you just can't have that. Finally, the fifth key to the game was building and timing. Michigan State got to play Rutgers, not at the rack and at Madison Gray Garden, which, you know, I thought it wasn't a huge advantage for Rutgers. Obviously it helped later in the game when they had a lot of fans, they definitely had the majority of fans there, but I don't know. It wasn't, it was an environment that Michigan State couldn't compete in and the extra rest. I don't know. Did it help them? (laughs) Did it? uh, Well, look, I mean, I didn't think energy was the problem here. I I will say that. Yeah. I think when, when you play a game against that team and you do the job MSU did on the boards, you do the job they did mostly on defense. They played hard. Mm -hmm. I didn't think it, well, you know, again, AJ, it's not, it's, it's just focus more than energy. I'm not saying he, he didn't play hard. Uh, when I talk about being casual, that's a different thing. Um, but as a team, I thought MSU played hard. They looked energized. Yeah. And they played that way. They just, yeah, it, you just never know how much these things are going to matter. We talk about them because sometimes in retrospect, you can look at it. I'll give you a classic example. Um, North, I watched Northwestern the other night host Michigan and and Northwestern had a, a small lead in the second half, and then Michigan just steamrolled them from there. Uh, I hadn't realized before watching the game that it was Northwestern's fifth game in 10 days. Yeah, They looked like it. They did all the things that you expect a tired team to do. Bad shot selection, leaving shots short, um, lack of defensive focus. None of those things were problems for Michigan State today. I didn't even think the shot selection was, was a problem. It's just they didn't hit them. Yeah. They took good shots generally. Well, anything else to talk about the game? I guess the only other thing I would say, we didn't talk about Jackson Kohler specifically. I mean, he played yeah, 15 I was going to bring him up. He did. He looked pretty good out there. You know, had a couple of re- three rebounds. He's one of three from the field. I don't know. I thought he did a nice job. I thought he, I really did. I thought, you know, they didn't go to him very much in the second. Um, but in that first half, look, the basket he scored was, uh, that's what he can do. He also had a really nice feed to Malik Hall for his one bucket, if I remember correctly. Mm-hmm. Yep. Um, and he, yeah, it, against, against, uh, Omarui. Now he took advantage of him once or twice, but he also, he also hunted in there against him. And I thought he did a pretty good job as a defensive rebounder when he was out there. Um, like watching him, he got a body on somebody, you know, he cut out yeah. as the vernacular goes. So, those were those were good things to see. It was encouraging. Um, he just didn't get enough opportunities in the second half, and and really, you know, maybe you can look back at it. It's it's hard because I know that they figure the more minutes he's out there, the more Rutgers is going to exploit him in the post, which is probably accurate. Sure, yeah, yeah. Um, but when you're struggling offensively, you know, maybe you try to steal a couple possessions by getting him in there, get it. Cause he doesn't look, I mean, there's, there's nobody I've seen yet who 
in the Big Ten who, I, despite the number of great defensive centers there are, there are a number of them, um, I haven't seen anybody yet that I feel is just going to lock him up. I mean, we saw it today. He was going up against one of the better defensive centers in the league, and he took him to school on the one bucket he scored, and Jackson's capable of doing that at any time. So it's not a major deal, but I just I look back, and it's a lot easier for me to say it sitting here and looking back at the game, <laughs> and I understand the reasons why MSU went with a heavy dose of Mahdi. Yeah. Um, but in retrospect, might you have been better served to try to get a couple of buckets out of, out of Kohler. And there's no guarantee he would have scored, of course, but I, I like where he's been at for the last three weeks or so, you know, he's going to, he's not going to score every time he'll miss some shots, but he's looking to score and he looks so much more confident and comfortable out there as witnessed by the spin move and reverse that he scored today. You know, he can do those things against anybody. Yeah. He expects to make, yeah, he expects right, the best exactly. He's know, this time. Uh, finally, I guess, you know, Trey Holloman, he seems to kind of hit a little bit of freshman wall, seven minutes, Struggling. a turnover. Yes. He's really uh, yes. having some problems at the over three from the field too. He took a couple ill-advised shots. Yep. Uh, and then, yep. and then Pierre Brooks played spot, you know, six minutes, two of two, one for one for from three good game. And I thought, him. yeah, I thought defensively he looked really solid in the first half. He was, he didn't make, I mean, there were no obvious sort of lapses or anything like that. So, you know, unfortunately for him, he's to the point now where Malik calls back. And so his opportunity to get minutes is limited in the first game or in the first half, he made one really good read, um, coming back and helping. Ended that, up, but, yeah. I saw that. Yeah. Play come it back ended up, baseline. the ball went out of bounds. He didn't come up with the steal, but it was a great read. Um, and I'm with you. I thought that, uh, I thought that Pierre did some nice things, you know, again, limited, limited minutes. And I'm not ready to complain about that because I understand, you know, <laughs> you could say, well, Malik Hall was one for nine, but Malik Hall also grabbed 13 rebounds and he's critical to your team. <laughs> and he's not going to go one for nine very often. Yeah. But, you know, Jade Nakins is going to be better than he was today. Most of the time. So there's just not a lot of opportunity for Pierre right now. So I'm not, I'm not, believe me, I'm far from saying, Oh, you got to find ways to get him more minutes. But I will say this, a game like today is something that he can build on hopefully. And if he's taking that into practice, then, you know, hopefully that is going to force MSU to think about using him more if he's playing productively. And one would hope the next game is against Maryland on Tuesday night at the back of the Breslin center. You would imagine that he'd have a little more opportunities to play there because it's a little bit smaller lineup too, I think, than than Rutgers. So it is. I think you know it, it's encouraging that, that how he looked today, and and you know this is the point now. Michigan State's got eight games remaining in the Big Ten schedule, and a lot of them are easier games, uh, not as challenging venues. Although I guess you could argue this is not as bad as the rack, but it's still this is probably the this is probably the hardest game they had left in the schedule. Which, I, which they I ended up losing you know, on the road and a game that, you know, we're talking about this and boy, I mean, it was there if they had just played a little bit better early in the first half or even in the second half, you know? So I don't know. Yeah. Well, there were lots of game that was played. I mean, Michigan state's biggest lead was eight. I think Rutgers biggest lead was nine and they were both briefly held. Yeah. So this game was played in an extremely tight window the whole way. And yeah, you could point to any stretch of that game and say, boy, if you'd just been a little bit better, mostly offensively, 
Yeah. Because again, even with pointing out the, the Mulcahy stuff, um, MSU played well enough defensively to win this game. I think over, over the course of 40 minutes, I don't have a lot of criticism about the way they played defensively other than a few possessions. And look, that's going to happen in any game. You're never going to bat a thousand, you know, sometimes, and, and also give credit to the other guys. Paul Mulcahy, he's a good player. Yeah. He, and he's he a it. smart player. He, he knows what he does well, and he finds ways to get into those, get himself into those positions. So, um, you know, some of it's him too, but, uh, yeah, I just, I just felt like, um, the opportunity was there to get it. It's very disappointing that they didn't, but if you are looking for a silver lining, it won't be any tougher when you, when you combine venue and quality of opponent, it won't be any tougher. I mean, I'm sorry. You could talk about Michigan and the rivalry and all that stuff. I've seen enough wins at Chrysler over the years. That building doesn't mean very much. It really doesn't. And their team is not, they're a team Michigan State should beat, in my opinion. Ohio State in free fall. Yeah. Um, that's again, you know, Nebraska, they're better than they've been. That's still one you really feel like you should get. And I guess I'm forgetting Maryland, Minnesota, and Indiana. Oh, at Iowa. Yeah, at, at Iowa. Iowa's the Iowa's other, the other yeah. one. Yeah, you know. That'd be a tough game. Look, certainly it's certainly a team you can lose to, but if you're asking me which of two teams between Rutgers and Iowa, you'd rather face, I'll take Iowa all day, all day. So can we talk about the Iowa thing real briefly about the student thing with the Illinois? Sure. <laughs> so it's people aren't aware of the story, Illinois student section, the orange crush tried to purchase uh well, they did. They purchased tickets to the Iowa t- athletic office using a nonprofit discount, uh, posing as the Illinois Boys and Girls Club, and 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 Iowa found out about that, canceled their order, and then gave those tickets away to. They refunded the, the Orange Crush, and they gave the tickets to I think the the Boys and Girls Club of Cedar Rapids, which is twenty minutes north of Iowa City. And then you know the Orange Crush was upset because of course they had rented buses and they were I don't know they had like six hundred students. They had a lot of they had a lot of people coming to the game. I think uh, I guess they do this once in a while, and they were upset because of course they normally do this to some opposing, you know, they have some sort of road trip. I think office type of Iowa, just because it's so close. Uh, and they are not allowed. Iowa does not allow, does not sell them the tickets. If it finds out that it's the orange crush, even though they are technically a nonprofit because they, they do raise money for uh, various, you know, problems. I don't know. I mean, what, what do you think about the fact that, what do you think about the whole thing? I mean, I think it's, I think it's gonna be a kind of a charged game today, this afternoon. <laughs> I, yeah, I'm sure it will be. Um, I also have kind of a hard time picking a hero between those two fan bases. <laughs> yeah, I, yeah, I guess that's. I don't like either about. one. Illinois. Look, when Illinois get, you want to talk about a fan base and a program that doesn't handle success well, even a modicum of it. That that's your exhibit A right there. <laughs> um, and you know how I feel about Iowa, but I will say in this case, I think Iowa was absolutely in the right. I mean, that was a fascinating thing to watch play out on social media and i think it won't be but it should be a lesson to media members or just regular people even out there to not shoot from the hip with an opinion unless you feel you've gotten the complete story yep because the initial story came out the illinois um, orange crush group put out this statement that they're you know, the, basically what you had just said, leaving out the boys and girls pose, <laughs> bit, 
that that they had they had bought these tickets. They'd been planning this for months. They had all these buses rented and Iowa just pulled them. Yeah. Within, I don't know, half hour, an hour shortly, Iowa came out and explained what had been done. And all of a sudden, your view of it should, if you're a reasonable person, change because that you shouldn't be rewarded for for using a nonprofit to try. You know, I mean, look, I'm sorry, but that's I have no problem, by the way, with a university choosing to deny as best as they can selling tickets to fans from the opposite from the opposite program, from the uh, from the visitor. I have no problem with it. Some people may. I have none. Zero. That's your building. That's your campus. You do with it what you want. And, and that includes banning opposing fans in my, in my view. Um, you know, again, as best you can, the problem is you've always got a reseller market that isn't controlled. Yeah. So it's not like somebody from Illinois that really wanted to go to the game is going to be unable to get a ticket. Now, I suppose the, the, the Illinois complaint now is that while well, they lost all this money because they'd rented these buses. So presumably they lost deposits yeah, or whatever they lied else about the application. So that's, they lied. Yeah. Exactly. So yeah. that that's completely on them. wipes that out. So in, in this case, I, I think I'm, I think I'm with Iowa. Um, but it's, yeah, it's all nonsense. It's, I mean, it's interesting because at, you know, Michigan state every year, there's a, there's a section of Michigan students who are, who buy a block of tickets and right. they, I assume that Michigan State's okay with that because they're always pretty much in the same place every seat, which is always by us. <laughs> it's section two over. So I don't know if it works between our two schools. Like if they decide that does the Izone go to have sent some students over too? I mean, they I don't do. know. There, but I don't know if it's organized. I mean, having been at Chrysler last year, yeah, there were Izone members there. Um, and it's the same deal. They're usually in the upper deck, although, you know, the difference is at Chrysler, um, you can get upper deck tickets for pretty much any game you want because they don't sell outright <laughs> ever. Yeah. Um, but cause it's a bad <laughs> basketball fan base, but and that's the truth. Yeah. But, um, yeah, it doesn't seem to be a big deal, but again, if, if Michigan state said, Hey, we're not selling the maze rage fine. I'm okay with that. And vice versa. If they decide they're not going to sell his own members, it blocks. Great. I'm, I'm, I'm totally fine with that. I don't think anybody owes anyone anything, you know, especially in basketball, you're, you're talking about dramatically lesser capacities than say football. Sure. Yeah. Right. So, you know, I, yeah, I, I mean, sorry, orange crush. <laughs> you crushed their dreams. But yeah, yeah. These are, you know, these games where I could really, I'd be fine with a meteor striking and both franchise, both, uh, <laughs> both programs losing. But, um, on that story, at least, yeah, I gotta go. I gotta go with the, the Franz, the Hawkeyes win on a technical knockout. All right. So, well, yeah. <laughs> well, uh, again, one more reminder that we actually are having $5 gift cards that are available through nudge printing. So you can get these for free from us. If you, leave a written review on your podcast player, take a screenshot, email it to me. I've already sent a, one of these out already. Uh, email it to me at eric at tffinots.com. Uh, then you can get the $5 gift card. You can also still get your 20% off your checkout at typing in final four at nudgeprinting.com. You can check out their stuff. It's really cool. Totally worth it. And again, Michigan State alums is doing the right thing here with Michigan made products. 
But until next time, for the Maryland preview, the Final Four is on the schedule. Go green. At Granger, we're for the ones who pay attention to every little detail. The ones who fuss, tinker, and sweat the small stuff. Because you know the tiniest thing can make the biggest difference when it comes to keeping business moving. We get it. We're the same way. Offering access to product experts to help you quickly and easily find what you need. So whatever your industry, you know you're always getting professional-grade products. Call, click Granger.com, or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.